Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston giving us You Give Good Love, taking us all the way back. Memory lane. That's what we are getting you into. Uh, A-teamers, it's time for us to get into our social conversation. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. In our social conversation today, we are speaking about uh, recorded acts of kindness in uh, this uh, pandemic time of COVID-19. It seems that a lot of South Africans have learned a lot around giving and being kind and just being there for each other. We are joined by Dr. Jesse Urbach, who is the Senior Lecturer for Social Anthropology at Northwest University. Dr. Urbach, I hope I'm saying it correctly. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much for having me on the show, Patricia, and good evening. So, Doc, when COVID-19 struck, we all realized that uh, we don't have any other place to go but home. Uh, We were all stuck together. We were all stuck in our communities, especially when the initial lockdown came in uh, in the beginning of uh, March last year. And, you know, uh, there were a lot of reports of, you know, violence, gender-based violence, neglect of uh, children, um, and abuse and a lot of other nasty, nasty things. However, yeah. in the midst of that, you were able to record some great acts of kindness unfolding. Tell us more about this. Yeah. So there definitely was a, a lot of terrible stuff that happened, and I think we can't underestimate some of the impact of that, and we're really feeling into it now in terms of the mental health repercussions and stuff. But what we also saw was, was an incredible outpouring of support between everyday South Africans. And, and part of how this book project started was that um, I landed up, I and my, my partner landed up in a, a situation where we were stuck without a place to live and somebody helped us. And, and it was amazing uh, watching all around the country people actually taking some, some pretty extraordinary decisions to support one another in these unprecedented times, you know, ranging from housing to paying electricity to lending people vehicles. Uh, really, it felt like for the first time, in arguably in our democratic history, everybody was really reflecting on all the people they knew and where they lived and how they lived and whether they were okay. And amongst that, there were some real acts of, of kind of miraculous behavior that I think crossed all sorts of historical divides and really brought people together in powerful ways that have lasted beyond those early days. Now, when you were doing this book, uh, it seems you did uh, record almost 2,000 submissions, which was yeah. quite a remarkable amount of people who w- responded. What were the sort of um, you know, uh, initial um, steps that you took in acquiring these 2,000 submissions during lockdown? Sure. So um, initially, it was just a project that I kind of set up uh, because I, I'm a social scientist, so I, I have an interest in these kind of things. And I, I just set up a little blog and was, was recording what I was seeing on social media. And I went on radio a couple of times and spoke to people about it, and the members of the public were sending things in. Um, and then I actually got hired at Northwest, because at the time I was uh, working at Stellenbosch and based in Cape Town. And so I got hired at a new university in the, the beginning of the pandemic, um, or kind of midway through. And a group of my students, we then had to figure out, well, how do we examine these kids? Because uh, we, we can't do sit-down exams, we can't do traditional projects anymore. And I'm really committed in my teaching to, to making sure that students are equipped to join in the conversations that they're uh, reading about right from the word go. 
And so the students actually, instead of having to do an exam, were tasked with collecting stories of extraordinary kindness from around the country. And it was such an interesting project because it was only when I reviewed the work of the students and read their course evaluations and saw the impact that actually having to go out and look for stories of support uh, had had on, on these uh, young citizens. For many of them, it was a completely transformative experience. And that's what led to us deciding to, to put it into a book and to try to share some of these stories more broadly, because it really, they, they, they demonstrate the best of the country. And I think they give a lot of hope and a lot of sense of, of, of who South Africa can also be. A-team, is, uh, we are having a conversation around a book that was uh, compiled and put together by a uh, senior lecturer of social anthropology at uh, the Northwest University, Dr. Jess Urebach. And, uh, you know, for me, it's heartwarming to know that even in trying times, we as South Africans are still showing Ubuntu. This book is evident of that. I'd like to know from you as an A-teamer, what acts of kindness have been shown to you during these hard times? Or perhaps what acts of kindness have you been showing to others? Or have you experienced within your community, within your immediate circles? Please do let us know. Send us a WhatsApp on 0614-104107. Or you can call in on studio on 011-714-2006. SMSs go to 41391. I think being kind to each other is a sign of love and uh, that's what we should be doing so I'd love to hear from you A-teamers Dr. Ohrenbach in terms of uh, you know the book how quick did you put it together because we are still within the pandemic and uh, clearly you know it, 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 it couldn't have been uh, you know uh, an easy process to put this book together while in a pandemic yeah, that, that's true. And I mean, in that sense, I've experienced a lot of kindness from a lot of people who, who understood uh, what the project could be and how important it perhaps could be um, for the nation. Because what we've done is we've included a section in the book where people can actually record their, their stories. And so to your listeners who are busy sending things in, uh, it would be great if you could uh, find a way to send us your stories as well, because we hope to to really um, use it as a chance to reflect on what happened because, as you say, we're still in the middle of it, but our memories fade very quickly, and it's amazing how how easy it is to just move on and move into this new, new blended phase, whatever it is, uh, without reflecting on some of the lessons learned. So in terms of how we got the book together, um, when, when I saw the work, the quality of the work that my students had actually done, um, I was chatting to a friend who's a publisher about it and just saying, I really feel this needs to be shared more broadly because these 2,000 stories are really quite remarkable. And she put me in touch with another publisher in Pretoria who specializes in uh, uh, books about about goodness, about uh, uh, human compassion. Um, and that person immediately understood the project and was like, we have to do this and we have to do it fast. And so then what we did is we, we were lucky to get a, a grant that gave us a bit of money. And we then put out a, a call for illustrators because a, a book of this kind without beautiful pictures might be might be a little bit harder for people to engage with. And the grant was... was uh, enough to pay an artist, but not enough to pay a really established artist. So we put out a call for young artists from around the country who were just busy graduating and who wanted an opportunity to showcase their work. And we got more than 50 portfolios of of amazing artists from around the country. And we selected Jethro Longwear, and he had just graduated um, during the pandemic from Ruth Prass School of Fine Art in Cape Town. And he did the most amazing work on on the drawings, and illustrating the stories as we read them. And then we got uh, a group of prominent South Africans to select their favorite 
uh, stories from from those 2000. So that took it down to 50, which was then kind of the right number for the book. Um, and and it's been amazing how at every step of the way, uh, people have understood the project, come together, offered their services, and and we've now got this uh, really stunning coffee table uh, book out. And and you know for for anyone who's feeling they need a little bit of love at Christmas or wanting to inspire some of their workers or, 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 or people around them who've just taken a bit of a knock. It really is a, a heartwarming kind of reminder of, of the best of the country. Can you please share some of these stories? I know 2000 is just too many, but uh, yeah. as many as you can. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I mean, there's a wide range, and and what was so nice was seeing how different people chose different stories that that, that really resonated with them. But some of my personal favorites are um, there was a a person in in Joburg who say, lived in a block of flats and was like, people need to stay in touch with one another. He didn't have very many resources, but what he did is he just opened his Wi-Fi so that anybody could access uh, and use his Wi-Fi so that they could stay in touch with their families. Um, there's another example of of nurses around the country who were uh, conscious that that as we were all staying in our homes, uh, the the country hit a national blood shortage because people weren't donating to the blood banks. And so, after working an entire shift as an essential worker in these very stressful times, nurses across the country were going and donating blood into the system so that it didn't collapse. Um, other examples: there was a, a wonderful story of um, a family who who had a baby during lockdown. And, and we're really feeling quite financially stressed. Um, and, and somebody met them and, and understood their circumstances and hid money in the baby's pram because he knew that the family would never actually ask for money and, and, and he didn't want them to feel that they, uh, were, their, their dignity was being compromised. So he just left the money uh, where they would find it. And they said that completely changed the experiences of, of, of giving birth in a pandemic. Um, and there's stories of counselors sending out their numbers so that people could talk to them about the, the experiences that they were having and, and working for free. Stories of lawyers helping people um, for free because the system was, was so complex. And then a lot of stories of people just cooking and cooking and cooking in the kitchens, in community halls, um, in any kind of in restaurants, any kind of venue to just make sure that uh, people across the country didn't go hungry. And it's really amazing how, how we were able to do that during lockdown. And it often makes me think people are going hungry now. You know, we're still in lockdown, but it's not it's not the same level. Um, and people were going hungry before. And what was it about that special circumstance that for a short period of time, almost everyone in South Africa actually got fed? And I think there's some really thought-provoking lessons in that for us all. Mm, definitely. There's, there's so many stories and I think my heart is touched by each and every one of the ones that you've shared with us. We all can make a difference. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Jürgenbach, we all can make a difference in our small way. We should be making a difference. Uh, and, and I think one of the things I want to ask you, especially as a social anthropologist, why is it so important that we are showing these acts of kindness? Why does it matter? Yeah, great question. I think it matters because ultimately um, we live at the micro level. So it's very easy to get caught up in stories of politics and uh, corruption and the kind of things that make new, for, for, for good news headlines, which are often things that really hit on our emotions and make us angry and make us sad and make us frustrated. And that, I mean, we all knew, know that bad news sells. 
Um, but that only presents one side of the national dialogue and the national reality. And it's very easy if you just read news headlines to think that South Africa is kind of a corrupt and racist and, and terrible, terrible place. But the reality on the ground is that people are, are oftentimes really overcoming historic divides, really uh, making progress in their lives, really helping one another. Uh, communities are supporting one another at all kinds of different levels. And I think that in, in really highlighting and showcasing some of this um, uh, positive stories, it reminds us that actually the country's come a very long way in a relatively short space of, of its democratic history. And if we don't highlight these stories and we don't um, showcase the good, uh, what we land up with is, is, is quite a cynical, quite a jaded, quite a sad uh, kind of national sentiment with really that, that, that is only ever half, the, half the, the story. And I think for me also just seeing the impact that this project had on my students really got me thinking about what our role is as, as, as teachers and educators in terms of what do we amplify and what do we educate uh, our students about and how do we help them uh, to recognize that they do have a future. It's not that we face climate change and we face pandemic and we face inequality, but it's still possible to lead a meaningful life and, and to really make changes at this micro level. But then in a lot of it inspired them to go forth and, and do far more of this kind of um, good work in the world. And, and, and I think if we don't provide us, ourselves and our communities with role models of that as well, it can be very difficult to find a path forward that, that, that feels positive and that feels fulfilling um, at the level of, of everyday citizenship. And as they say, the more you help others and you're giving uh, is the less you concentrate on your own misfortunes and you start counting yeah. your blessings. So we should be embarking on this. And I know for students, uh, the initial hard lockdown last year was very difficult because yeah. now they needed to go back to their homes. Others were going to homes where poverty was uh, the, the order of the day and uh, infrastructure to be able to connect online was uh, very difficult at times for them to continue their studies. So the students that you um, picked to work with you on this uh, book project, the impact that this particular project had on them, did they share it with you? Yeah, they did. And, and that's actually what led to us, us doing the book in the first place. I mean, one student said that he, he no longer planned to immigrate from South Africa after he finished because it just completely changed the way that he saw what was happening in his community. And uh, and, and several other students said that it had really shifted their perception of South Africa because, as you say, students were living in all kinds of different um, spaces. They were Many of them were going through serious issues. And, and I've never experienced so many students losing their parents in one semester. I mean, it was absolutely brutal to just feel the impact of the pandemic in terms of actual people dying in our classes, in our, our communities, families. Um, it was really heavy. And I think that the students reported that this particular project, which we did very carefully, so they had to learn about informed consent, they had to think very carefully about how you tell other people's stories and really make sure that they were learning not only um, what was happening, but also how to share and how to reflect on it. But what it did for them was it uh, gave them a very different insight into the country as a whole. And, and we were careful that we said, well, you can't only speak to people like you. So one of the things is that until lockdown, universities traditionally, they interrupt students' home experiences and they expose them to different people from different backgrounds, different faiths, different languages, all of that. Whereas in lockdown, students were going back into the homes that they came from and they weren't having that interruption and that, that exposure to, to other South Africans, other backgrounds, other stories. And this project helped them get some of that university experience by 
being kind of compelled and, and supported in going to talk to people who might not be from the same church or the same community or the same organization. And the students all said that really helped them to expand their horizons, expand their friendship circles. Many of them kept in touch with the people they chatted to um, afterwards for a long time and, and connected in different ways through social media. So it really opened something in them, and, and I think it's opened something um, in, in my teaching as well about just how you go about um, ensuring the students have the experiences of diversity, not only in terms of who's in the classroom and what literature they're reading, but what kind of projects are they doing and how does that help them um, uh, imagine a future for themselves. Now, uh, my question to you is, because it's so important for us uh, to always remind ourselves of the great things and the small victories we have as a nation, how can we continue to inculcate within ourselves as South Africans despite the challenges we face, whether they're political, social, economical, um, to just encourage each other to continue with acts of kindness throughout the day, throughout the month, throughout the week, throughout the year? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think some of it is just actually recognizing that, that little things matter and maybe finding ways to tell those stories. So writing them down, uh, sharing them with, with small communities. Um, and, then, and then maybe also something about thinking about uh, our, our news networks. You know, what do, you, what do we each choose to share um, on WhatsApp or on Signal or other forms of social media? Are there ways in which we, we can actively um, highlight uh, uh, things that are working? So when I studied in, uh, for my doctorate in the States, and there was this bizarre thing they used to make us do called, What Am I Proud Of?, and it was a really interesting exercise where at the beginning of every class, we would have to say something that we were proud of, that it worked well. And it, it stayed with me because I found it really uncomfortable at the time because there's something about kind of uh, U.S. American sort of cultural confidence and, and uh, that is very different to, to the South African norm. But it was very effective in reminding people that there was a lot that was working in their lives and that despite the fact that life could be very challenging um, and, and many of us were going through difficult things, uh, certain things were excellent and were worth highlighting. And that's something that I wish South Africans would boast a little more. And maybe it feels a bit strange to say that, but uh, often we, we, we are, tr are raised, most of us are raised to be quite modest in South Africa. And I, I sometimes wish we, we spoke much more loudly about the ways in which we're supporting communities, supporting one another. Um, even things like, you know, making friends with somebody from a different background uh, is something that, 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 that should be celebrated, that should be recognized as taking a certain kind of uh, initiative, a certain kind of willingness, openness. Um, and, and these are things that, that the more we do, the more others see us doing it, the more we amplify it and, and showcase it as something to be celebrated, the more others will do it and the easier it becomes for younger folk or, or other people in our communities to do the same. So I really hope those are some of the ways we can amplify uh, this project going forward. So, Doc, how do we get our hands on this coffee book table uh, and, and then make sure that we are proudly South African and spreading the good news of kindness? Uh, great. Well, hopefully by now it's available at all good bookstores. So one thing, you can just go into a bookstore and, and ask for it, and hopefully they've got it. Um, otherwise, it's just been printed, so, so some of the orders are still coming in. But the easiest way to get it is to just write to sales at bkpublishing.co.za, 
Um, or even find me on Twitter. It's, it's Jess underscore Auerbach. If you just Google Jess Auerbach, Northwest University, I'll come up. Um, and I can certainly hook you up with the, the sales team. They're, they're great people. Um, and yeah, we, I, I, one thing I wanted to say is that, that um, this isn't a book that's making profit. It's a book that uh, the money that is raised from it will go to the Ruth Craft School of Fine Art Material Fund. Because one of the things we, we uh, found when, when we're chatting with young artists is that a lot of students get scholarships to study fine art uh, and study in the arts, but then what's really difficult is paying for the materials that are required of something like a, a degree in painting, for example. So we're trying to use some of the funds of this to support arts in the country and to support emerging artists and, and emerging storytellers in that way. So uh, sales of the book will really contribute to that. Excellent. Thank you so very much for joining us and congratulations on such a good book that brings pride in us as South Africans. Thanks for your time. It's been great to be here.